BlackFilm.com catches up with David Harewood. Warner Brothers reveals a Supergirl bag for Comic-Con. And we discuss Bizarro Girl. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to dissect the trade paperback Bizarro Girl. But first up, we have... The News. Blackfilm.com interviewed David Harewood about his role of the future cyborg Superman. When asked if Hank Henshaw was a character he ever envisioned playing, he said, quote, Not at all. Never. I didn't even know the character existed, to be honest with you. I was an Incredible Hulk fan. Harewood <laughs> uh, would go on to say, quote, We have a long way to go before we get to what he eventually becomes. He's a really driven character, and having been blown up in Homeland and blown up in Spooks the Greater Good, I'm delighted that Hank Henshaw is indestructible. So I won't be getting blown up anytime soon. That's very pleasing, end quote. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, right? I'm like, I haven't finished Homeland, dude. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's funny that he wasn't really familiar with Cyborg Superman, but that's cool that he's going to get to learn about him throughout his work on the show. And also he was an incredible Hulk fan, so he's more of a Marvel guy. Ahem. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> well, Warner Brothers revealed the bags they're going to be handing out at San Diego Comic-Con this year, and there's one for Supergirl. Bags with an image of Melissa Benoist in her Supergirl suit showing her hovering in the clouds and in front of an S-shield will be available in addition to bags dedicated to Lucifer, the 100, Arrow, the Flash, the Originals, Supernatural, the Vampire Diaries, Teen Titans Go, Vixen, and Gotham. So if you're going to San Diego Comic-Con this year, keep an eye out for those because it is pretty cool looking. It is really, really awesome. And any of my friends who are going to San Diego this year, uh, this girl would love a Supergirl bag. So if you can manage to snag one for me, that would be awesome. Yeah, if there are extras, pick us up one. All right, well, now we can get right into this uh, trade we're going to be talking about today, which is actually a rather large one. It's one of the larger ones we've discussed, I think. But it's a really cool story uh, and a really cool arc. Um, This is Bizarro Girl which is uh, also written by a Mr. Sterling Gates. The description from DCComics.com says, Enter Bizarro Supergirl. But how did she get to Earth and what does she want? The real Supergirl better find out fast or else there won't be much left of Metropolis to save. And to make things worse, an even bigger threat looms on the horizon with an eye for the Girl of Steel. Collected from Supergirl number 53 to 59 and annual number 2. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much going on here, uh, and it's a really great story. Rebecca, what did you think about uh, Kara and this uh, arc? I think this book is my favorite of the ones that we've read. I, I know I've had a couple of stories that I've liked here and there, but I think this one really, like, I really liked Supergirl in this one. Um, yes. And I, I, I was taken with her from, from her journey of, because there's a, there's a couple of different stories I felt like throughout this trade paperback. There's There's kind of... Uh, a couple of different arcs that she goes through. Like the first one is she's having to deal with new Krypton being destroyed, which I wasn't really familiar with because I think that is actually part of a story. Like there's some story gaps that if you read Last Stand of New Krypton and War of the Supermen, that sort of fills in some of those gaps, which I didn't Mm. get a chance to read. But I think you can kind of learn through the context of what's happened. And so it sounds like New Krypton has been destroyed and her family is 
dead and Supergirl kind of now blames herself for not being able to save them. So I really loved that at the beginning of this trade paperback, she's having to deal with that guilt. And I, th- I thought the scene where she's having the nightmare at the very beginning and she, yes. <laughs> she's like using her heat vision in the nightmare and she wakes up and she's like, used her heat vision on her ceiling in her room, like in real life and not just in the nightmare. I thought that was actually really interesting, but um, her dream has, has it saying you let the ones you love die. And I think that really plagues Supergirl throughout the entire trade paperback that she has this guilt that she couldn't save people. And that's, I think what drives her to help Bizarro girl. And uh, I really liked that. And uh, she also kind of had some identity issues going on because she wants to change her name to Linda Lang permanently. Although I think by the end of the story, that kind of becomes a non-issue. I felt like that didn't really take place. But in the beginning, she's so overwhelmed with guilt about what has happened and what she couldn't do that she's like, screw the Supergirl identity. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want to have anything to do with my Kryptonian heritage. Let's just go with the earth personality because that's that doesn't have any guilt attached to it and uh so i thought that was really interesting that she was willing to go that far with it and she even didn't want to save people at the beginning because she didn't want supergirl to be a thing anymore so uh you see that change throughout the story but i thought that was an an interesting way to handle it yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I I agree with you. This is probably my favorite thing that we've read uh, so far as well. And I really love her interaction with, uh, with Bizarro Girl most of all, which I will get to when we talk about Bizarro Girl. But um, as far as Supergirl goes, I love this story because we – really this is the culmination of, all, of, of pretty much everything we've read up until now. And in this trade, we kind of see her at her most mature and her most um, – fully formed, if that makes sense, you know, like, like all of the lessons that she's learned up until now kind of come into play here. And she is in a position where she gets to teach others. Um, I mean, she teaches Bizarro Girl, she teaches Brainiac 5, you know, kind of how to be and, and things that are important. And she's able to do that because she's learned a thing or two along the way. So I think here at long last, I've been kind of waiting for this, (laughs) where we, uh, we finally see, Supergirl evolve and turn into the hero that she will continue to be, which is really great. And she doesn't seem to need other people to tell her what to do. Like, I think in some of those early stories we read, you know, she needed Wonder Woman to help her. She needed Batman. She needed Superman. They all right. they all gave her advice on how to deal with her problems. But this time, one of the things, uh, one of the lines that really stuck out to me was, you know, after Bizarro Girl shows up and chaos ensues and she has to become Supergirl in order to help save Metropolis, she says, guess it's time to beat up something besides myself. Mm. And I think she uh, she realizes that, you know, she has to pep herself back up. She can't just rely on other people to tell her what to do or to encourage her. Sometimes she has to pick herself back up and kind of make those decisions for herself and, yeah. and choose to be a hero. And I really like that about this story. And actually, it's funny. There was one moment where she does get some advice uh, from a superhero, but it's very practical advice. Um, there's a moment with the Flash where oh, true. she she's able to get out of, uh, you know, Bizarro Girl at one point um, uses her kind of weird Bizarro solid vision <laughs> to... Yeah to freeze Supergirl in place and she's able to get out of it because the Flash had taught her how to vibrate at a frequency that would allow her to go between molecules, which is really, really interesting because like that kind of, of training and, and mentorship is really cool because it's like, okay, you're able to do this. Let me teach you how to use your powers. It's not about um, – it has nothing to do with morality. It has nothing to do with you know being the kind of hero that you should be. It's, it's more like, okay, here's some, some knowledge you'll need in the field which is something like you'd give a peer, you know? Yeah, so. that, it makes total sense, too, because The Flash even says, you know, Captain Cold might use this on you, you know, like practical situations. Like, there are supervillains out there who will have these abilities to stop you, and you need to know how to handle it. So, yeah, I was actually, I thought that was a good twist to it, because when she, when she got kind of frozen solid, 
well, not frozen, I guess, just kind of solid in general. I was a little confused as to how she was going to get out of that. And so uh, when it introduced the concept that the Flash had trained her how to get out of those situations, I was like, oh, that's pretty clever. But yeah, I love Kara in this. And I love Bizarro Girl in this. Um, What did you think of Bizarro Girl? I liked the comparisons between her and the real Supergirl. And I thought it was interesting that bizarro girl considered supergirl bizarro girl yeah (laughs) Um, like (laughs) i was sort of familiar with bizarro world and you know bizarro superman and i knew there was a bizarro lois and all that kind of stuff but i didn't know a whole lot about the whole kind of i guess it's a race of people like a whole community of bizarro people and like they're like a bizarro planet yeah like i i didn't realize that they had reverse powers that was something new to me but that makes total sense that they would have flame breath and i guess it was something else it was like yeah it was it was flame it was flame breath and like freeze vision because the the vision makes you solid yeah, I think I wrote that down. I, I'm, I'm used to writing heat vision in my notes, and nope, that's <laughs> a different thing now. Um, but yeah, so the the powers are kind of mixed up, and I liked seeing things on Bizarro World and seeing what that was like for them. And especially there, there are a couple of panels where you actually see kind of like their version of the Daily Planet and their headlines. And yeah. I just loved those little panels just because like... I think uh, the Bizarro Lois has a, a headline that's like, well, Bizarro number one ruined the day. And uh, I just, I think those things are really fun. Even though it got to a point where sometimes when I would read in the Bizarro lingo, it got a little tough to understand because you have to like <laughs> translate everything in the opposite. Mm-hmm. So there were times in the in the book where somebody would like recap it for us, like Supergirl would like recap, okay, this is what you're telling me you're going to do. Like this is what your plan is. Let me recap this. And yes. I, I was like, oh, this is really helpful because I kind of understood it, but it's nice to have somebody say it in you know, real talk. So, um, so sometimes that was hard to kind of get through reading wise, but I I really enjoyed getting to see Bizarre World and and getting to know those different elements of the characters. But I, I really loved the, the comparison and the, the contrasting of Supergirl and Bizarro Girl and how actually they're a lot alike. And they even talk about it in the story where, yes, uh, there's this great moment where Supergirl actually gives Bizarro Girl kind of a pep talk um, because they're trying to fight for Bizarro World. They're trying to save it. And I think this is great because from what I could gather about what happened in New Krypton, like Supergirl couldn't save it. And that's why she was beating herself up. And so this is kind of a redemption thing for her is that she can help this this Bizarro Girl fight for her world and save her world and and bizarro girl says we are nothing alike and supergirl says no we are very alike we're rash we're impulsive we make mistakes we think with our fists a lot and we're reflections and Mm -hmm. there's this one really great page that i i just i fell in love with where it has a a bunch of different panels and it's basically a face split in two where where half of it that was my favorite page yeah yeah, it's like Bizarro Girls on the left and uh, Supergirls on the right, and they're kind of, uh, it's like splitting down one face and they're two sides of the same face. And uh, I just, I really, I think that that one page said so much about their relationship and, and how similar they were and how similar their stories were. Yeah, so th- uh, for those of you uh, who want to check it out, that's on uh, page 115 of The Trade. I just opened up to it, and it's it's really a gorgeous layout. And uh so kudos to Jamal Eigel, who did the art in here for uh, for really doing a great job with that page. It's funny that you mentioned the like the Bizarro, you know, lingo because um, it is kind of kind of difficult to understand, and, and you have to remember that they speak in opposites. So when it seems like they're lying, they're not. They're just <laughs> saying the opposite of what just right. happened. But at the same time, there was a really interesting moment uh, on page ninety six where Bizarro number one, aka Bizarro Superman. You know, they're they're Supergirl and here talking about the godship and what to do about it. And um, Supergirl is about to go up to see, you know, to get more intel about the godship and she's going to fly up there. And uh, Bizarro number one says, that am bad idea, Supergirl. 
And she says, this is Bizarro World. All of my bad ideas are good ones here, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she flies away. And then as she's flying away, he says... That I'm not exactly how Bizarro World works. <laughs> so, so it's like telling her, you know, yes, we, we say the opposite of what, you know, the opposite of what you would say, but that doesn't make a bad idea a good idea. <laughs> right. So it's like you might want to, it's not how that works. So I thought it was cool that, you know, even as they, they seem really simplistic and childlike and, and kind of stupid, um, they're also like, yeah, but a bad idea is still a bad idea. I don't know if you should do that. And, of course, she goes up there and realizes it's not a ship at all. It's a living being that stares right at her and wackiness ensues. Yeah. And and I, I think, you know, you mentioned how, like, sometimes they're perceived as stupid. But I think it was nice to see that even Bizarro number 1 and Bizarro Girl had a similar relationship to Superman and Supergirl in the fact that it's a very, you know, I, I took it as a very loving relationship that they Definitely. both, they, 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 they both hate care. each other. <laughs> yeah, they hate each other. And uh, so I, I liked seeing that, that, you know, just because they're, they speak, you know, backwards talk, it, it doesn't make their emotions and their feelings any less. And I liked seeing that. And it was, it was cool to see that Supergirl saw that as well, that she, I, I think she was moved by how much they cared about each other. And I have to say, honestly, I really found myself drawn to Bizarro Girl because it, it's almost like watching like a Supergirl in an earlier stage of development. Mm-hmm. Like it's like if you could go back to like the cave people and or on Krypton and there's like a Supergirl, it's like that would be her. And like she's just figuring out for the first time killing people is bad. And, you know, and, and having all of that to deal with. Once, you know, they finally save Bizarre World and and she's left with a conscience pretty much. So it's really like watching a kid kind of grow up and uh, growing up really fast and realizing all of a sudden that they've done a lot of wrong. And I just wanted to hug her. Yeah. (laughs) Because she was trying so hard and like she she really wasn't like she's not this evil being it's she just didn't know. And now that she knows she feels horrible because she really is like. Like Kara, she has that sense of of wanting to to help people. It's just she did it in her own backwards way, and because they're both very impulsive and both very, um, they think with their fists a little more than they should a lot of the time. So she's very much that way, you know, flipped on its head. And then now that she's learned this, she's she now has to deal with that. So she'll probably be taking the journey that Supergirl has already taken. Which is, it was cool that Supergirl is now able to to kind of start her off on that path because she's already been through it. Yeah, she a bizarre girl actually has a really good arc throughout the story because when she first shows up, I was actually pretty terrified of her because yeah. because <laughs> she's because, creepy looking. Yeah, because the bizarros have those cracked faces and their you know their body bodies are cracked and so that makes them a lot scarier and I think even their like when when she cries, her tears are kind of black and so it's 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 a scary image and when she has all those people, including Jimmy Olsen, and I think Gangbuster is one of the people who gets kind of yep. kidnapped and taken hostage, and uh, she's frightening. Like, when people are loud and talking, and she uses her powers to shut them up, and, yeah. she, and she kills a guy. And when Lana calls Kara to tell her, you know, somebody has your face, and they're doing some bad things. You need to get out of here and do something about it. Like the the image that they discover at the Daily Planet of Bizarro Girl. That it's it's really kind of freaky the way it's drawn in the book because of their realization. And so Bizarro Girl really starts out kind of scary. And the more you get to know her, the more you realize, yeah, she she just doesn't know what the consequences are. And she eventually gets to a point where she just wants to help her people and to help her cousin and and to do the right thing. And I I did find it very touching that she took that consequence and she was punishing herself a little bit like Kara was at, at the beginning of the book. But yeah. um but she was doing it because she didn't want to hurt anybody else. And uh she was ashamed of what she had done. And I, I just thought that was so almost innocent that yeah. um she took it and it was so heavy on her uh you know her actions so uh that kind of stuff was really deep and very touching and there are also really fun things about their interactions like I was really surprised there's there's one panel where they they're fighting they're actually physically fighting each other and 
Supergirl actually hits Bizarro Girl so hard that she flies out of her her boot. Like there's yes. a, there's a <laughs> there's a boot left over, and like they crash each other. Like I think Supergirl like hits her through a tree and all that kind of stuff. So there's actually some fun like interactions between them. Like when they talk about hey, we think with our fists, that was actually them thinking with their fists. Yeah. Um, but but there were also really really touching moments between the two of them. <laughs> I just, sorry, I was just flipping through and uh, the moment where she, uh, or Bizarro Girl comes back to Bizarro World and she says, me, I'm back. Doesn't that make you sad? <laughs> um, and she wants everybody to be like so excited that she's back and then everybody pelts her with fruit. Because um, <laughs> she really does, she like, it really struck me how much she loves her planet and she loves Bizarro number one and despite being Bizarro and creepy looking, She's actually a rather cheerful person when yeah. she's home. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big difference between Bizarro Girl in Metropolis and Bizarro Girl on Bizarro World. And I wondered if that had to do something with, because there were a couple of panels in this book where Kara was talking about how lonely she was. I think in her actions, like we'll talk about the, the, the Legion of Superheroes later, but Kara has this feeling like she's alone and lonely. And so I yeah. think when Bizarro Girl goes to a Bizarro World, she feels like she's among her people and around people who are like her. And so that, that probably gives her a sense of belonging. Yeah. And also she has a weird, creepy crush on Bizarro Lex Luthor. Yeah. Um, and thinks bald men are the sexiest, um, which is really kind of hilarious. And I love that Kara responds with, okay, gross. Yes. <laughs> but um, moving on from, from Bizarro World, because uh, another interesting part of the story arc was uh, on the way back from having saved Bizarro World, Kara's ship on the way back gets taken to the 30th century and she ends up with the Legion of Superheroes. But yeah, this really interesting group of futuristic heroes in the 30th century that are all like around her age and they're kind of this like a really squeaky clean version of superheroes at a time in the future where crime is down and people are sort of more accepting um, and it's a very different – it's like like the police department in a really wealthy neighborhood. Like they don't really have that much to do. They're able to be very optimistic about certain things because there's not that much going on. And I thought that Kara's interaction with them was was really interesting. What did you uh, think about that story? Well, yeah, it's funny. In the book, Supergirl talks about how like it's fun to go out kind of on patrol with them, with the Legion of Superheroes, because – things are fairly easy for them. Like, they don't have crazy supervillains. Their, you know, their missions are pretty easy in, in terms of superhero efforts like she's used to. She's used to having to deal with all kinds of crazy stuff. And with them, it's, you know, it's no big deal. So I thought that was funny that she seemed to think it was uh, kind of, you know, it was like varsity. Uh, well, it was uh, junior varsity level, I guess, if, if the Justice League is the varsity, the Legion of Superheroes <laughs> is the, the JV. So it was a, a, a different scale for her. But um, I like these stories where Supergirl has ties to the Legion because you see that in Justice League Unlimited at the end of her story there. And you see that at the end of Smallville when uh, she puts on, when uh, Kara puts on the Legion of Superhero ring. So she does have a lot of ties to the Legion and especially to Brainiac 5. And um, so I, I liked getting to know the Legion of Superheroes. Like I knew about Cosmic Boy and Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl, but I don't know them super well. And I, I was right. I was very interested in Colossal Boy because I didn't, I didn't know him very well. So it was fun to get to meet that character. And I loved that the text in, in the speech bubbles for him had a bigger was, font than everybody else. <laughs> so I thought that was a really creative way to portray his dialogue. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was funny that, you know, we were talking about how like for the Legion of superheroes, they don't really have much going on. You know, everything's kind of easy for them, but then they go up against this character named Satan girl. And yes. I was like, well, <laughs> she's over the top. Like, um, was I, I guess if you're going to go up against a villain, she should be named after Satan and have horns if you're really wanting to ramp things up. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, she she seemed I, I didn't really care for her as a villain. It was like, okay, this is maybe a little too on the nose. Yeah, a little bit. But uh but I did like her uh I did like Supergirl's interactions with Brainiac Five. I thought they were cute and, and it's fairly common for her to have like a little romantic thing for him. And uh so I thought it was it was cool that they got to interact with each other in the story. And I think Supergirl kinda goes through this thing where she doesn't like him at first and then she says for all his flaws i was really starting to like brainy the two of us working together to do this made me feel a lot less lonely and so that was kind of uh nice because she had gotten to know somebody and felt like she was part of a team and she was uh with somebody who was helping her out and and i really liked that for her it's funny, just uh, going back to the Satan Girl thing for a second, uh, just because I liked how Satan Girl is the kind of villain who just shows up and says, this is mine now. Like, you know, no explanation needed. I'm here. I found Earth. I want it. I'm going to take it. And that's her her whole motivation. And that's, even though this is like a, a larger villain than they're used to facing, she's also exactly the kind of villain you'd expect for this kind of world. Like, a very simple, like, almost, like, kind of, like, 1960s Batman villain. Like, <laughs> like very, you know, I'm going to take over the world kind of villain. So I thought the villain matched the the group that was handling them, even though I wasn't crazy about her, necessarily. That's a good point. Um, but I do love her relationship with Brainiac 5. And, yeah, it's interesting that she, you know, she kind of gravitates toward this really brilliant but socially awkward <laughs> kid, yeah. you know? Because the, the relationships we've seen up until now have been, you know, we've we've seen a little bit with uh, with Jimmy Olsen. We've seen a little bit with Power Boy jerk yes. face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and all of them are kind of uh, kind of dopey or kind of like Power Boy is like this male chauvinist jerk. But then, you know, with Brainy, we've got somebody who – He's totally socially inept, but he actually is really, really smart and and better than her at things. And I don't think she's used to that. Like, I think she's kind of used to in in every relationship kind of being the the one who's like the most powerful or the most heroic or the most whatever. And here we've got her kind of matched up with somebody who, while he has lots of flaws, he also has strengths and he ends up coming up with the idea that saves them both. So I like that. I like her having a good match as opposed to somebody dopey. Yeah, and it seemed like he was a character who would kind of have her back if she needed him because she goes to the Superman Museum in the future and she sees her future and yes. sees how she's, she's going to die and it clearly affects her in, in a way. And, and I think it, if, if I interpreted... Yeah, she like throws up afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It big, big time grossed out. Whatever it was, it really affected her. Because um, I don't think they actually spell it out for the audience and, or the, no, or the no. reader. I, I didn't get a sense of what it was uh, that was going to kill her. But um, and and as far as my interpretation, it sounded like the Legion took her memory away so that she wouldn't know. Right. So I thought I thought it was interesting that Brainiac Five knew about that, and he wasn't. You know, if that was going to come to pass, still. He, w- he wasn't going to let that happen to her. And so I right. liked that even though they had to take her memories away, I guess, for her own good, which kind of stinks. I hate it when stories do that because if it's her memory, she should have a right to have it. But anyway, right. but I, I did like that he was he was going to watch out for her and, and he was going to tell her if he needed to. So I liked that a lot. Yeah, I think that's that's also the important thing is that he – he says that he's going to warn her directly or indirectly. So he does want to help her prevent it. It's not j- just taking her uh, her memory away, but helping her when the time comes to defeat or to warn her about whatever it is that's coming, which I thought was was really cool. And, and it's awesome to see that uh, Brainiac 5 is uh, so much in her corner. Oh, totally. That story uh, was, for me, I guess, kind of the, and I thought this was a strong trade all the way through, but that was kind of the weakest point for me. I love the Bizarro Girl story, and then now we're coming up to the um, Dollmaker story, which is 
starting to touch on some characters that we're going to see in the Supergirl TV series, which is very cool. Because here we are introduced to Winshot, and we're also introduced to his son, Anton Shot, uh, (laughs) as the doll maker. So uh, give us your thoughts on this story. I would agree with you that the Legion section of the trade was... I mean, I liked it, but it was probably, uh, I was not as engaged. I think Bizarro Girl and then this stuff with the Cat Grant uh, Toy Man stuff was like my second favorite because I was very heavily invested in the Cat Grant Supergirl relationship because we've seen this kind of develop over a couple of trades. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I really liked that. Like even um, the little Supergirl doll that was uh, sent to Cat Grant, that was actually from who is Superwoman, like, I, I think. Yeah, uh, no, that was it, from way back. Yeah, so they introduced that early on so that when it came back around, it was like, oh, that's what that was. That's why yeah. somebody sent that to her. Because um, I think originally it looked like Supergirl had sent that to her, kind yes. of like poking fun. Right. And so it was, it was like, it was really cool that they called back to that here and that it wasn't Kara at all that had sent that to her. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool way to do that because then you had it tied into the villain where he was sending those to her every time a a child went missing and it sort of developed this pattern and that's how they were able to figure out the toy man connection so I thought the writing of that was really good how everything kind of fit together and connected in the end but I like any time we get to see uh, a a more human side of Cat Grant like Mm -hmm. throughout these stories She's she's kind of been this nasty <laughs> tabloid journalist kind of a person who's been going after Supergirl. Like they even um, make mention of Catherine Grant discusses her upcoming book, Supergirl, how a Kryptonian upstart is corrupting tomorrow's youth. Like she's yeah. writing, she's writing these things that are just like tarnishing Supergirl's reputation and and Supergirl even like kind of confronts her about it and they have a fight about it. And it's it's neat to see that at some point Supergirl had to realize why Cat Grant was the way she was. And and Lana kind of played a part in trying to teach her about the history between Cat and Toy Man. And um, I, I really liked seeing the actual explanation of why Cat was doing the things she was doing because they talk about how um, after her son is killed, her son Adam is killed by the Toy Man. And I actually have those issues, and it's been a long time since I've read them. Um, oh, wow. But it's uh, Superman 84, and I think even 85, there's part of it in there. And uh, we'll probably talk about that later on in Supergirl Radio to dig it more into the Cat Grant character. But In the Cat Grant, right. We'll do that spotlight. Yeah, but uh, but the, the gist of the story is that Toy Man kind of kidnaps her son. And they, they even kind of recap it in this trade back, paperback where um, they talk about her son Adam was killed rescuing a group of children who were kidnapped by one of Toy Man's malfunctioning robots, and the robot cut his throat. And so it's pretty gruesome, and that really messes with Cat. They talk about in the book that the more teen stars and starlets she saw parading around town, the angrier and angrier her writing became, and that Clark Kent thinks that Cat became angry that those teens were still alive to take to make messes of their lives, and her son wasn't. And I was like, oh, this shines a, a brand new light on why Cat Grant writes the way she does versus yeah. like Lois Lane or Clark or any of those people at the Daily Planet. Like she's different because of her past and what's been done to her family. And I, I just yeah. thought that was a, a real eye-opening thing for me in regards to Cat Grant. Definitely. And and it's funny, when I said earlier that, uh, you know, we're going to see Wynn shot. Um, but yeah, Cat Grant is is really at the center of this. And she's also going to be on the uh, on the new series, uh, obviously. And you're right. I think that what they did with Cat with, uh, in this is pretty amazing. And I don't think I'll ever be able to read the character again, you know, without thinking about this. And this will kind of always inform how I see her, which is a good thing. I mean, it really does make her more human, like you said. And I, I do love, uh, because as you mentioned, the events that she's talking about here happen in, in Superman. But I, I haven't read the issues, and this is really written for newbie and fan alike. Because I, having no experience with, with any of these characters, got the story. And, you know, it, it, and everything was very clear, and it really was emotionally affecting, kind of 
watching her deal with with Anton. And it's funny because Anton shot, screwed up guy that he is um, with mommy issues, um, (laughs) apparently has been left by his mother on a street corner and is looking for a replacement mom and, and seems to find it in Cat Grant. But really, no matter what she says, um, whether she decides to be his mommy or not, he pretty much wants to surround himself with other children who don't have parents um, and who are abandoned and alone. Um, I thought that was actually really interesting that this character sees himself as doing a service that's really, I mean, the best villains always think they have a really good reason and right. and are trying to do something good. And in his own screwed up way, he's trying to help these kids out by making them a doll army and, and, and letting them have a family. And he thinks by kidnapping a mother for them that it's going to be great. It kind of actually, as I'm just saying that, it kind of reminds me of Peter Pan a little bit. I was and about to say, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's very close to Peter Pan. Totally. And and nobody talks about how creepy Peter Pan is. Like, we talk about it like, you know, oh, the, it's, you know, the, the magic of youth and make-believe and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Peter Pan, like, steals Wendy to be the mom to this group of, of boys and won't let them leave. Like, yes. that's creepy. Yes. <laughs> um. And that's after he goes into their bedroom and takes them away from their family. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he's been, like, casing the joint for weeks, and then finally he grabs them and leaves. It's just stupid. Um, But, yeah, so I thought the the allusions to that were were really interesting here. And I do love that – and here's another example of Kara's growth. Like, she – you know, she says over and over, Kat's not my favorite person. I don't like her, but she helps her anyway because she she recognizes that, you know, after a while that Kat has been through a lot and all of the stuff that she's done has been informed by this tragedy in her life. And then we see Kat evolve too. And I really love the ending of this where, um, you know, after Supergirl helps her escape the doll maker, she ends up writing like a positive story about Supergirl and saying uh, – and the uh, – What's the title of it? I have to look it up. Do, do, do. The title of it is The Day I Needed Supergirl. Yeah. Um, and even in the article, if you read it, it's on the last page of the trade. And she says stuff like, I still don't like her outfit. And I still think that she screws up a lot. But you know what? She, I, I'm starting to come around on the fact that she really does want to help people. Yeah. And and overall, her her view has kind of turned more positive because of this experience that they had. Um, so it shows a great amount of growth for both of them, and, and it's really cool. Yeah, I thought the whole, like, situation for Kat was so messed up because here she was, this grieving mother who had gone through this thing with the Toy Man family before and her son died in it, and here she was confronted with the same kind of scenario and uh, what I liked about Kat at the at the end of this book is that she sort of got kind of, I don't I don't want to say a redemption, but I, maybe some kind of closure for herself mm. because uh, I, I liked the art and the way she interacted with the, the one little boy who had been kidnapped and like yes. they, they saved this one boy, and so in some ways that was almost like Kat got to save her son um, through this little boy's situation, and so I think. That was a, a good bit of catharsis, uh, I suppose, to to be able to save a little boy when she couldn't be able to, when she d- wasn't able to do that for her own son. And so I really liked that for her. And I think that's maybe part of what changes her attitude about Supergirls, that that kind of, that guilt and that anger maybe was lifted from her a little bit because that situation had a happier ending. Yeah. No, and, and I, I just flipped to that, that moment and she, um, you know, she's promising that little boy, you know, everything's going to be okay. From now on, we're all going to be okay. Yeah. Um, so that's like, you know, for herself, she's, she's kind of closed that chapter and she's ready to open a new one. And I think that's, yeah, that's great. And, and I love the, the fact that Kat gets to, to have the knockout punch. Yes. When, when she knocks out <laughs> Toy Man's son. I, I thought that was very appropriate that she would be, be the one to do that instead of Supergirl. And I love that, uh, that you know, Supergirl gives her that. You yeah, know, like yeah. she, she uses her heat vision to free Cat behind him. 
And uh, he's like, ha, you missed me. And then she's like, she wasn't aiming for you, you little bastard, and punches him. <laughs> yeah. And that, it was, it was great. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, final thoughts on this. We're, that's pretty much the entire trade. It's, it's a good chunk of issues, but it's a great read. Uh, what did you think about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's probably my favorite thing that we've read, and it had a lot going on. Um, there was even some stuff with Superwoman in there with Lois Lane, and there was some fun stuff with Jimmy Olsen, where he's like this holo- oh, yeah. <laughs> holographic tour guide at the Superman Museum. And there's even this like random thing in there where Jimmy saves this kid while he's riding a motorcycle, and there's like fire behind them, and it's, it's just kind of funny to see Jimmy in those. Um, cool guy moments. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so there, there's some fun s- stuff in there that kind of covers the gamut of everything. You get some time travel, you get some deep emotional stuff, you get some redemption, you get some closure. Like it kind of uh, covers everything you want in a story, and it, it's a really fun read. Definitely. Oh, and, and you can't forget the army of Jimmy Olsons. Yes. That, uh... <laughs> that was smart, actually. I was like, oh, good idea. That was great. She's, uh, you know, using that hologram and multiplying it to uh, to help her out. I agree. I, I said this before, and we said this before. Uh, this is my favorite uh, trade that we've read thus far. Um, and I would even say that if, uh, I mean, obviously there's a lot of payoffs in this if you've read all of the new Krypton, Sterling Gates stuff that has come before, and even all the other trades that we've read before that, you know, because a lot of the the callbacks in this go back to some of the earlier trades that we read. But um, I would say even if you've never read Supergirl before, you could pick up this trade and enjoy it. So I would definitely recommend Bizarro Girl. Do you want to see Bizarro Girl on the TV series? I would love to see Bizarro Girl on the TV series, mostly because I'd love to see Melissa Benoist play her. Yeah. And be super creepy. Yeah. Um, I think she'd be great at that. And I, I would hope if they do it on the TV series that they would do it for real, like for real Bizarro. Like on Smallville, they had a Bizarro Clark, but it was not, to me, that was not a Bizarro. He was like this Clark Kent who killed people and was kind of a, a more macho guy, but he, he wasn't kind of the, the typical Bizarro kind of sweeter, more innocent kind of a... A kind of a I don't want to say dumb character but he he wasn't kind of what you expect out of Bizarro and so I didn't feel like they they did kind of comic book justice to him yeah. on Smallville so I would kind of like to see because I think the the, the sweetness and the innocence from Bizarro Girl really is a, is so effective in this trade paperback and if they were going to do it on the TV series I would want them to keep that essence of the character because I think that's what makes it so touching between her and Supergirl so I I would hope that they would kind of be more respectful of the comic book version if they did it on yeah. the TV series. And it's so much more complex and interesting like cuz you know Bizarre Girl isn't a villain like none of them are really villains they're just different and 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 backwards or reversed or or what have you but it's there is that innocence and sweetness there um and especially in Bizarro Girl's case like they they really are mirror images of each other and honestly I you know would love to see on the CBS show like Melissa Benoist playing both halves of those yeah um but yeah you're right not as a not like as an evil doppelganger yeah. you know like yeah. which is I feel like because I haven't seen the Smallville but from what you're describing it sounds like they're doing that like alternate universe you know doppelganger version where you know they might as well have given him a beard yeah it's pretty um, much what it was <laughs> so it's definitely not that. Um, but if they can if they can bring Bizarre Girl into it and honor the way it is in the comic, yeah, I'd love to see that. Oh, and if she went to a Bizarro world, ugh, that'd be so cool. Um, so I, I want to champion that for uh, the TV series. Can we start a campaign yeah. <laughs> to, to, to get that to happen? Because that would be cool to see that on screen. I know. Let's everybody bombard CBS on Twitter with, want, with desire for Bizarro Girl. Um, don't tell them we did that if you do. Um, but um, and also just, uh, you know, to let DC know, I would love like Bizarro Girl to have her own title. Honestly, I would follow her around <laughs> or even a limited series where we just kind of get to see what Bizarro Girl is doing from time to time that would be amazing and hilarious and i think surprisingly profound yeah um it's fun to read well that is uh, all the time we have for our discussion of bizarro girl definitely check that out 
And now we can get to some listener feedback. We got an email from John Wilson, who recently listened to our Supergirl Power episode and wanted to give us his perspective on Power Girl history. He writes, quote, Power Girl was introduced as an Earth 2 Kara or Kara in the 70s when the Earth 2 characters were being revived for an ongoing series. However, she was taken in a very different direction to her Earth 1 counterpart, and her blonde hair and relationship with Superman were basically the only things the two women have in common. She was a vehicle to portray women's lib and feminism because those ideas were on the rise in the 70s, but being written by men who barely had a handle on those concepts, she was handled a bit awkwardly in that regard and often came off as a resentful meanie. (laughs) (laughs) Now Power Girl is a bit of a continuity black hole, and a lot of what can go wrong with the universe rewriting events does go wrong with Power Girl over the years, but by the time you get to Supergirl Power, that is all ironed out or would be shortly. So when characters in Power made comments about how Supergirl and Power Girl were basically the same person, that's where that came from. So thanks for that insight into the character of Power Girl, John. And if anybody wants to check out his podcast, he's got one called The New 52 Adventures of Superman. And you can check that out at new52superman.lipson.com. We also received an email from Amy Ziegfeld, who wrote, quote, I just listened to your recent episode and was pleased with how much you enjoyed the new Harley Quinn and Power Girl series. I just thought I'd suggest that if you reach the end of Supergirl comics to read, you take a look at the 2009 Power Girl series. It's by most of the same team as Harley Quinn, written by Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti, illustrated by Amanda Connor, and has a lot of the same humor. As an added bonus, it features the most recent DCU appearance of Vartox, who will apparently be in the Supergirl pilot. Uh, I'd recommend getting the Power Girl Power Trip trade. It collects the complete Gray Palmiati Connor run, plus a good four-part story by Jeff Johns, also illustrated by Amanda Connor, that includes that random Power Girl issue that was confusingly <laughs> included in the Supergirl Candor trade. Uh, thank you so much for this. I, I honestly am grateful because um, I really do love uh, Palmiati and Connor as a team. So any, you know recommendations about their work uh, with these characters is greatly appreciated. Yeah, and I definitely want to check it out for the recent DCU appearance of Vartox because I, I, I don't know much about the character and I know we'll, we'll try to dig into him a little bit before the, the CBS series begins. So that will definitely be something to look out for. And last but certainly not least, we heard from Sterling Gates who had these things to add about death in the family. He wrote, quote, I did want to point out that Lucy's story is from her point of view and Sam Lane might not be as magnanimous as perceived. <laughs> He's a manipulative guy, so his acceptance of her isn't as definite as it appears at first glance. And Sterling also asked, no mention of the Helen Slater co-written story in that trade? So um, thanks for that perspective on Sam Lane and for the reminder about Helen Slater. Helen does indeed have a writing credit for Supergirl Death in the Family, and we should also mention that she wrote a beautifully written introduction in the Who is Superwoman trade paperback that we've uh, covered on Supergirl Radio. So we highly recommend that if you haven't read it yet, you should you should give it a read because uh, she talks a lot about uh, her love for Supergirl and why she thinks that she is a great character, and uh, it's very, very cool. Yeah, it is very cool to see how she has um, embraced this character over the years. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm like ashamed of us that we didn't mention that she wrote one of the stories or co-wrote one of the stories in it. But yeah, she I love that she has kind of continued to explore this character over time because um, a lot of actors, you know, would kind of want to distance themselves from a part like Supergirl. You know, it's like I did that already in the past whatever, and it's done. And I think it's great that she's kind of looking at the different facets of her and and writing her in comics and portraying other characters in the universe and kind of is willing to to kind of delve into the Superman mythology from different angles. Um, And I'm glad she's going to be on the CBS series. So, yay. Yeah. And I would think as an actress who had played the character, she probably has a lot of insights and, and a different way of looking at the character than just, say, you know, a writer would or a fan would. Like, she would have had to think about, she would have to have thought about it on a completely different 
side of things and how to portray her and what she would think, what she would feel, those kinds of things. So she would definitely bring a lot to the table in terms of writing the character because she probably got to know her pretty well when she was making the movie. Definitely. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we're available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, and the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow, subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcast on Twitter and like DC TV podcast on Facebook. And uh, stay tuned because I'm going to be doing the uh, marathon raffle uh, drawing that uh, we uh, are going to do for the cancer research fundraiser. Yes. Um, so, uh, so stay tuned for that because I actually picked up some cool things this weekend at Walker Stalker Con. I got a Laura Vandevort signature, uh, a signed Supergirl picture, and a Robin Lord Taylor autographed Penguin picture. So, if you donated to our, our research fundraiser, you're going to be put in the raffle to possibly win those items. So uh, stay Ooh. tuned for that next week. That is really, really cool. So, uh, so there are going to be a couple of uh, listeners who are really, really lucky. Um, as for uh, for where you can find us, uh, you can find me, as always, on The Mary Sue. Uh, I'm one of the assistant editors there. That's themarysue.com. Uh, you can find my blog, The Teresa Giacino Experience, at teresagiacino.wordpress.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Teresa Giacino and on Facebook at Teresa Giacino Experience. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkProd. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Well, till next time, I'm still Teresa Giacino. And I'm still Rebecca Johnson. When it comes down to it, lives can be boiled down to just a few things. Our families, both the good parts and the bad, the people who hate us, the ones who love us, and the work we leave behind. Some of us try hard to make the world a better place than when it was when we found it. <laughs>